Welcome back. It's still a bonus episode, but it's more Joe Miller's jests. So by popular demand, we are back with another bonus episode of doing jokes and bits and bobs and boozles and some research on the side where we get confused into Joe Miller's jests. Nice, easy, relaxing, fun content. If you haven't listened well, to the first one of these, go back to last week's episode and listen to that. We'll find out how nice and easy and relaxing it's going to be this time because we're not just picking them at random as to what feels appropriate right, right now. We have taken requests. Now, I don't believe anybody who made a request did so with any knowledge of what's going on. That we, would they be just far started, too much research I just for asked them. for numbers between 1 and 1,200 for people to put into a, <laughs> into a chat in our Discord and people flooded it with numbers. So uh, some of them I'm sure we've already done. But we'll get through as many of those as is reasonable in this time. We're just going to go through those very relaxed. uh, And then we'll be back with the new season of Escape This Podcast soon. Not sure when. Very soon. soon. Very soon. Pretty soon. Pretty soon, hopefully. Maybe. Kind of. But yeah, without further ado, let's learn more about history by uh, reading jokes. (laughs) I have started with uh, our first requested number uh, from ELM in the Discord, or just Elm yelled very loudly, mm. which is number 222. And uh, I've just looked at it, and already I need to Google something. Oh, yeah, fantastic. <clears throat> Here we are. Mm-hmm. A toping fellow was one night making his will over his bottle. I will give, said he, 50 pounds to five taverns to drink to my memory when I am dead, 10 pounds to the salutation for courtiers, 10 pounds to the castle for soldiers, Ten pounds to the mitre for parsons, ten pounds to the horn for citizens, and ten pounds to the devil for the lawyers. <laughs> Saucy stuff there. Hey, you know, Danny, uh, what I say first thing first thing we do, kill all the lawyers. Mm. <laughs> That's a Shakespeare joke. This is later than that. Yeah. We're still making fun of lawyers. <laughs> That's not new information. Okay, so the joke is that lawyers are all in hell. That's the bit. Yep. But I'm assuming that the lists of all these other taverns are like famous taverns in London and their clientele, perhaps? Oh, you thought they were all taverns. Is that how it reads? Well, this is how it reads to me, right? Mm. First of all, I'm a toping fellow. I don't know what toping means. Do we want to Google toping? Sure. I'm assuming it means uh, drunk by the sound of it. Yeah, one would think. Toping. Meaning. Archaic. I knew. uh, Tope. To drink alcohol to excess. Great. He was toping from the while. Uh, he was toping the while from a flagon of sack. Uh, <laughs> a perfectly clear example. Oh, hey, hey! Oh God, I love this. So, this is. I'm adding it to my classic list of there are some a bunch of words that we only have because we loved boats. Uh, okay. In this is from the Dutch word toppen, which is the slant or tilt of a ship's yard. Aww. So the ship is off tilt, it's toping. So if someone else is toping, they're all wobbly. And like that's so, I love it when words are just about boats. Yep. Um, Very classic English. Okay, so that's what toping is. He's a drunk man. But he said, this is the structure right here, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'll give 50 pounds to five taverns to drink to my memory yeah. when I'm dead. Semicolon. Mm-hmm. This is now an explanation of the ten of the fifty pounds. Ah, uh, you tablets. take it that way. Old school semicolons are just full stops. No, it's got. A, I think it is because he then says ten pounds to the salutation capital S for courtiers, ten pounds. That's now another ten to the castle capital C, 
for soldiers, £10 to the mitre for parsons, £10 to the horn for citizens, and then the fifth lot of £10 to the devil for lawyers. <laughs> okay, I didn't know that it split up to 50. It splits to 50. Was it I 50 think pounds are... each to those taverns? No, I think it's just £50 to five taverns, meaning I will, give, I will split up £50 to these taverns. And I guess these are the ones who had known clientele, like, oh, go to the salutation, that's where all the courtiers hang out the, and drink. The mitre for the parsons? I guess the parsons drink at the mitre. That's... All right, I'm going to try and find mm. out. I'm going to go... Salutation. It definitely wasn't how I interpreted it, but you are the one who's reading it. The Salutation Tavern opened in 1662. All right. Oh, it's so good. clients there? Um, Oh, it's the tavern where Sir Christopher Wren did some stuff. Okay. Oh, no, that was the Salutation and Cat. I don't care about that. How foolish. That's in Newgate. Hey, I know the way to Newgate. Steal from a guy. Um, It's so hard to find out. And I don't want Boston's first licensed tavern. The Salutation Tavern. Opened in 1662, stood on the northeast corner. Oh, this is a plaque. This is someone writing. No, this is the Boston Tea Party. Ah. Uh, all right, you've got to look up a different one. Clearly the Salutation is too common a name. Yeah. Look up the Mitre. Mitre Tavern. Uh, there's one in Melbourne. Ah, oh, come on. If only we were better at Googling old Charles Dickens Tavern. Ooh. No, that's a that's another tavern oh, in Melbourne. Called the Charles Dickens Tavern. <laughs> they tricked us. Okay. Uh, historical London Taverns. I don't know if we know Lo- that it's definitely London, do we? No, we don't, but you never know. Why would they talk about anything other than London? <laughs> I mean, I suppose we're finding out about these things. I think this is not a thing to, like, double check. I think this is our source. That if you went in the 1700s to the salutation, you'd expect a bunch of courtiers there. Mm. The Parsons all hang out at the mitre. The horn is a classic one. Maybe the citizens. Maybe we'll know that one because it's the citizens' tavern. Horn tavern. I'm going to say London. I'm putting London in there. Site of the horn tavern in London is now... Um, night, 29 Night Rider Street. <laughs> oh, 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 look, okay, here we go. The Horn Tavern, Sermon Lane, and Night Rider Court. Horn Tavern was, is, was there. Great, great. Just south of St. Paul's Cathedral. Okay, we are officially in London. Oh, how cool is this? So this is at a LondonInheritance.com. We get a photo of the Horn Tavern light box labelled up like this is Horn Tavern hmm. and then a modern day photo where the, where the labelling is all gone. It's just Aww. an old light box that's still sitting there. Uh, it's no longer the Horn Tavern. The pub had a long history as the Horn Tavern with references to the pub going back to the 17th century. Although it is sometimes difficult to confirm that whilst the name may be the same, it may not be the pub at this location. Yeah, we seem to be having that trouble. Oh, how fun. Oh, wait. Here's an 1895 ordnance survey. Here's a 1746 map. Lovely. Oh, good on you, the horn. How fun. Well, there you go. And now we know... Oh, there is a Dickens reference to the original tavern name. Oh, yeah. Because we all know that Dickens loved Joe Miller, by the way. He was a citizen. 
He was, and Dickens was a citizen. Okay. So there you go. We found out about all these fun little taverns. If anyone's ever like, if you travel back to 1700s England and you're like, oh no, I need to go get a drink, but I don't want to hang out with any uh, citizens, go to the Mitre where all the Parsons are. <laughs> All right, well, that was number 222. We learned about some taverns. Interesting. I'm having fun. Uh, Danny, mm. Sam, last name, requests joke 789. Okay, all right. Uh, which is in itself a joke. Because it was my school bus number in exactly, high school. Exactly, and that's mm. a joke. All right. Um, there's a person's name, but I don't know if we need to Google it. They explain let's, it pretty well. Let's see if the context is clear. Okay. The late celebrated penurious H. Jennings Esquire who was reputed to be the richest commoner in England when, at the age of 92, was applied to by one of his tenants, okay, okay. then in the 80th year of his age, right. to renew his lease for a further term of 14 years, when, after some general observations... Oh, my God. This is such a convoluted set of sentences. Please. Mr. Jennings coolly said, Take the lease for 21 years or you will be troubling me again. <laughs> Hold on. Wait, how old was he? 92. Okay. And the guy who was 80 was like, can I have a lease for 14 years? Yes. So he'd be 94. Did, did Mr. Jennings think he was going to live to 106, but not to 113? <laughs> so Wait, what is the joke here? Hold on. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's, I'm old, don't bother me. Yeah, I mean, but... I guess it's like, take a longer rent so that one of us <laughs> will be dead by that time. But what are the, it feels like the numbers must be relevant. <laughs> Okay, hold on. The late celebrated Penurius H. Jennings Esquire. Penurius. Is, like is that rich or, or not? Rich? Or, or anti? Yeah. It's clearly money. Penurius. Extremely poor? Oh, okay. Interesting. But maybe archaically it meant unwilling to spend money. Great, mean. okay. Miserly. Cool, parsimonious. Cool. Ungenerous. Penny pinching. Yep, great. Closed. Okay, 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 okay. Okay. So he's penurious. He was reputed to be the richest commoner in England. He was 92, and one of his tenants, who was 80, was like, can I renew my lease for 14 more years? After some general observations, he said, take a lease for 21 years or you'll be troubling me again. Like, you're going to be dead in 21 years? or One of us is going to be dead in 21 years. I'm so confused. What are the, what are the general observations that he made? That it looks like 14 years they'll both still be alive. No, they won't. They're 92 and 80. <laughs> this is all a moot point, Mr. Jennings. Uh, what was the life expectancy back then? Maybe Not it was 92. so maybe it was so extraordinary that they were both already past 80 that they figured they could live till at least 110. But, oh, but not more than that. Yeah. Just exactly that <laughs> age. I'm so confused. In 14 years. One would be 94 and the other would be 106. Yep. But in 21 years, one would be 101 and the other would be 111. 113. 113. I don't it feels get it. like the only notable point about that is that now they're both over 100. I guess. <laughs> I'm so confused. So, yeah. It I don't know. No, I'm so sorry. These I old don't know men, exactly they what should all doing. be dead. Maybe, is there something? What was the name of the guy? Maybe he's a real person. We can Google him. What's his name? H. Jennings Esquire? H. Jennings Esquire. 
I assumed he wasn't real, based on the fact that they actually explained a bit of a fake bio for him. Yeah, okay, let's get out of here. This is very strange. I don't know the joke. If anyone knows the joke, please contact us. The joke is that they're almost dead, but not quite dead. But then why are they so specific? Okay, okay. Now, we were requested number two, but I believe we've done number two Mm. in our first episode. So, sorry, Rhett Sammies. Nothing for you. Which one was it? Just to remind them. As a reminder, number two was... The Civil Orange. The Civil Orange. Now, that was a good bit. Civil. <laughs> this is no Civil Orange, I think, yep. is a good bit. Okay, what's next? 1,200? Give it a shot. Shall I, shall I try and... I'm yep. just going to have to find on page... I'm not scrolling all the way down to 1,200. Find in page 1,200. Thank you. Ooh, here we are. <clears throat> a Franciscan one day, mounted on a showy horse, was met by a Burgess who reminded him that being the of the Order of St. Francis, he was obliged by vow to follow him. But he went on foot, and you are on horseback. Alas, replied the friar. Oh, I, I said, why well, not? Let me try and read. Yeah, that. cool. Who reminded him that being of the Order of St. Francis, he was obliged by vow to follow him. St. Francis. Okay. But he went on foot, and you are on horseback. Ah. Oh. So he's saying by riding a horse, you're not following St. Francis, who didn't have a horse. <laughs> This is where I'm up. This is where I'm at interpreting it so far. Alas, replied the friar, you have reason to say I ought to follow the holy founder of our order, but tis so long since he went before that it is impossible to overtake him on foot, and it will be hard to do it on horseback unless I spur along. I don't mind it. I don't mind it. Sure, is it anything? No, not really. It's just like, hey, you're meant to follow St. Francis. Get off your horse. He's like, how can I... Fu-? He's so far ahead of me, man. Do you know how long That's you got to I got to catch up. I need a horse to catch up to that guy. I'm cool with that. That's a good that makes bit. Sense. Do we, is there anything Google? What's a Burgess? Is that someone who... Like a Burgermeister? Yeah, that's sort of where my head went as well. Just some sort of town mayor. Uh, uh, Burgess was a British title used in medieval and early modern period to designate someone of the burger class. Cool. Originally meant a freeman of a borough or a burg, but later came to mean an official or a representative in the House of Commons. Yeah, cool. That seems fair. That's... But how old is this? It could just be he's just some dude. That's just a true. guy who lives in a town. Just a, just a townie. <laughs> just a townie is a Burgess. Not impossible. I wonder if we know when that change happened. We'll never know. Okay. Well, if we'll never know, we might as well go on to the next joke. Let's go on to the next joke. Good on you, Burgess. I like that one. It was all right. I didn't, I didn't hate it. Uh, the next one is 816. From, oh, sorry. And that 1200 was from Nocturnal on our Discord. Uh, now, I'm sorry, but who has asked you for 816? Oh, boy. We're definitely going to need to do some Googling here. Oh, yeah? When Dr. Parr's preface to Bellandinus was the theme <laughs> oh, no. of general admiration, sure. Horn took said of it rather contemptuously. <laughs> oh, my God, these are all people. It consists of mere scraps, alluding to the frequent use of Ciceronian language. Well, of course, you know. This sarcasm was mentioned to Parr, Dr. Parr, who afterwards, meeting Took, said to him, Sir, Mr. Took, you think my preface mere scraps? True, replied Took, with inimitable readiness. But you know, my dear doctor, scraps are often tidbits. 
What the hell? Is that, a, is that the joke? Is that the joke? Is that the end of the joke? That's the end of the joke. What the hell just happened? Okay. Okay, okay. I so, think we need to... First of all, I'm sorry, but who, how dare you? What is going on? I think we're, the most important thing to do is to look up the word origin tidbits. Oh, tidbits. Let's get some etymology for tidbits. I noticed that I instinctively say a D sound there, but it's spelled with a T in the it middle. It is. A small piece of tasty food. When you are out with your puppy, always have a tidbit in your pocket. <laughs> a small but particularly interesting item of gospel information. They were hoping for tidbits about the family. Uh... It came from the mid-17th century, so it was like a, you know, vaguely new word sure. at the time. I mean, about 100 years old, at least. I mean, we don't know exactly where it, it's just like a bit and tid. It comes from tid, which sort of means tender, but like, but no one really knows. I don't know what's funny about this. It could be yeah. a small dish of pleasant tasting food. Yeah, but why do scraps become tidbits? Well, because scraps can be like food scraps, and he's saying, oh, well, sometimes they can be tasty things. But what is he that's not funny? Also, I would like to thing. know. That's what he's saying. Oh, so you thought my work was trash? Uh, yeah, but sometimes trash is good. I don't understand what the joke would be in that. It's just two people having a conversation. Yeah, right. Where's the bit? Where's the joke? Are you still looking that up, or are you on to who these people are? I'm trying to find a connection between Cicero and Scraps. But I suppose you meant it's like Scraps of Cicero quotes. Was it... I've already forgotten what I said. I thought it was Cicero quotes. Uh-huh. Do you still have it open? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah, Ciceronian. So, so he had little bits of Cicero in there, and he said, well, that's just Scraps. And he was like, oh, you think those are Scraps of Cicero? But Scraps can be tasty, I guess. We'll also say that Bellandinus doesn't... Real person? Fake person? Wait, wait, wait. Maybe about forgottenbooks.com. Ciceronian scraps. I don't want the scrap metal company in Cicero. Yes, I found preface to Bell and Dean's. This is in forgottenbooks.com. This is not easy to find. Oh, no, my phone is trying to download it now. Oh, no. Uh, it's not. You're going to have to do this. Well, then tell me what I'm searching. What am I Bell searching? Bell and How do I spell Bell and Dean? Oh, oh, Bell and Dean-us. So this should be one for forgottenbooks.com somewhere in there. I see the National Archives from old books, forgotten books. Let's see if that's got it. Okay. This is... The preface to Bellandinus. Which is what we were talking about. Dr. Parr wrote the preface to Bellandinus. Okay. Did he really? Why does the city of Detroit have this? Why is that where we're finding it? All right, hold on. This is the preface. Is the preface written by... No, this preface is written by H.M. Crittenden. Sorry, Danny. No. Oh, what is this? There's a... There's... Hold on. Rare hold on, books hold on. of India. Rarebooksocietyofindia.org talks about it as well. I found a letter from 1805 written by Patrick Byrne to Thomas Jefferson. Okay. Sir, by the mail this morning, the above was sent in a small parcel guarded by pasteboard. I have the misfortune not to have a complete copy of Bell and Dinas by Dr. Parr that you receive once from pages 41 to 48 and 81 to 88, both inclusive. It being complete, no charges made for it. 
If I should meet a complete copy in any time hence, I will forward it. So Thomas Jefferson was looking for a copy of this book. So this guy sent a copy of the book Bellandinus to Thomas Jefferson in 1805. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I couldn't even, even then, I couldn't find you a full copy of this Jesus. book. Jesus. Can I say on this Rare Book Society of India one, I can't open it because, again, it's a 194-page PDF. But what I'm seeing here is the words labeled Bellandinus. This alludes to the Latin dedication and preface, which Dr. Parr, seated next to him, contributed. So did he just write a preface to this book completely in Latin? Thomas, uh, maybe. Was Thomas that Jefferson, why it was so trashed? Thomas Jefferson received a gratis copy of Samuel Parr's A Free Translation of the Preface. He did a translation of it. A free translation to the, of the preface to Bellandinus, containing animated strictures on the great political characters of the time. From 1788. What the heck? This is a Hey, everyone, follow us down this mystery rabbit hole trying to figure out what's going on. I'm going to see if I can find this book by just literally copying that thing. Sticking it into a... I am now going down and I'm just getting links that are written in Latin. Okay. I found a copy on Google Book. Let's find a preview of it. Or we can read the whole thing free of charge. A free translation to the preface of Bellandinus, containing animated strictures on the political character of the present time. Advertisement. If the learned author of the following preface had conceded to, sorry, uh, condescended, but with an F in it. Oh, yeah, we've, we've got the, the S's that look like name, F's now. <clears throat> motives of delicacy would have restrained us from translating it without the express sanction of his approbation. As he has not done this, we may indeed indulge conjecture concerning him. But conjecture is in its very nature vague, and of necessity, it is often fallacious. Can I just it's ask about that word, um, uh, what was it, uh, uh, sanction or something was in there? Yes, his express sanction of What is that T? I think it's just got a little piece of dirt on it. I don't think it's a sure? fancy T. That think looks that's like just, a fancy T. I uh, could be wrong. I think that... Oh, no, you, uh, there might be something we see through the page because these are scans of incredibly thin pages. So we can see the other text on the other side of the page. I don't know. What is this? Sorry, everybody. There's dedications. Don't want any dedications. Get out of here, Joe Willis Jess. We're Did reading Bellandinus. Did you write full poems for all of these dedications? Those are long. <clears throat> the three books which this volume contains, written by Bellandinus, have long been remarkably oh, The spelling scarce. of Bellandinus changed throughout the years. We have recovered them from the dust and darkness of libraries. We have taken pains to render them both more deserving of public attention and more easily attainable. We indulge, therefore, the well-grounded hope that our diligence will receive the grateful acknowledgments of the learned. Concerning the writer himself and the order in which these works originally appeared, we have subjoined a few remarks at the conclusion of this preface. Okay, this is very scrappy, Danny. <laughs> I know scraps turn into tidbits. Oh, look, it is written in a style of the purest Latinity, and indeed, we may say almost verbatim in the language of Cicero himself. Okay, just a big Cicero fan, this guy. Not Sisyphus fan, that's very different. Oh, okay. So this is like a preface to a translation of an ancient text. And in that preface, he said it was scrappy. I'm so I'm out of here. The fact that Thomas Jefferson couldn't get a hold of this book means I'm not even going to try. All right, well, now, last thing, we should that's look so up funny. if Horn Took was a person. Oh, Horn Took? I'm going to look up Horn Took. How do I spell Horn Took? Uh, horn with an E on the end and Took with an E on the end. Horn t John Horn Took is a politician. Okay. From 1736 to 1812. And... Oh my gosh, wait. Hold on a second. Are we finding a secret... Are we finding a secret... 
medieval gay man. Oh, really? Everybody, take put on your queer history hats. Let's have a look. Here's why. Here's why. Okay. Listen to this. Mm-hmm. John Horn took, known as John Horn until 1782, when he added the surname of his friend, William Took, to his oh, own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Was an English clergyman, politician, and philologist associated with radical proponents of parliamentary reform. He stood trial trial for treason in 1794. Well, it took him a while to kill him. He didn't die for almost 20 more years. Okay, he was a teacher... Political party radical. <laughs> yeah. In the autumn of 1765, he escorted another rich young man to Italy. Oh, funny that. In Paris, he met Wilkes and from Montpellier addressed a letter to him, which began the quarrel between them. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. He was a guy. All right. Fun. All right. I don't know why he was chosen for this particular thing. Maybe he had uh, repartees mm. and was known for it. Perhaps so. It's very hard to... I don't want to read this whole article and have you all get no, caught up in this. No, that's a full Wikipedia page. This was a famous man. Okay, wonderful. All right. So I seem to be getting the difficult ones today. Nah, that one was easy. We got it. We understood that's it. That's great from a history perspective, not great from a humour perspective. Well, back to me and... Chaos Modifier has suggested doing 13. So here we are with 13. <clears throat> Joke number 13. Another is a short one. Okay. Another poet asked Nat Lee if it was not easy to write like a madman as he did. No, answered Nat, but it is easy to write like a fool as you do. Oh, Nat Lee. Okay, Nat Lee. Nat Lee is apparently a poet who wrote like a madman. Right. Now, do you think that, do you think that, because if I say someone wrote like a madman, it could mean that I think they write like a crazy person. More often, I assume that I mean they write 10 million words a day. That is writing like a madman. I have no idea if three to 400 years ago that would have been an acceptable interpretation. Okay, it's probably not the poet Nathaniel Lee. Really? Seems very plausible. Oh, no, I guess... Okay, no, I guess it's him. The son of Richard Lee, a Presbyterian clergyman. How many poems do he write? Because I've got a list of his plays, but not his poems. Hmm. Was it like Shakespearean, where plays were poems? He died in a drunken fit in 1692. I mean, that sounds pretty normal for a 1600s poet. Um, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. You know what? Maybe it is about writing like a madman, not writing too much. Does he he was, just his reputation was made with blank verse tragedy, the rival queens, or the death of Alexander the Great. The play which deals with the jealousy of Alexander's first wife for his second wife was a favourite in the English stage. Uh, he did an adaptation of Oedipus. Uh, was he just bloody? The Massacre of Paris was written about this He's time. He's like the Caravaggio of the play I world. I think he just wrote like kind of like... Bloody violent stuff. Okay, that's cool. I'm not sure, but maybe that's what this situation is. That's fair. Uh, 
He had lived in the dissipated society of John Wilmot, Earl of Rochester and his associates, associates, and imitated their excesses. As he grew more disreputable, or disreputable, like a human would say, his patrons neglected him. And by 1684, his mind was allegedly completely unhinged. <laughs> okay. He spent five years in Bedlam. He lamented, he lamented his situation with the following missive. They called me mad, and I called them mad, and damned them, they outvoted me. That's so good. What a quote. Oh, that's, a, that I, that's that is an a, epitaph. That's a very, very good quote. They called me mad, and I called them mad, and damned them, they outvoted that's me. That's beautiful. Is phenomenal. I lo- that's my... Also, can we, look can at we his write portrait? that down? i got to remember that. If you look at the portrait, that looks like a madman. Oh, yeah, he doesn't look well. That's an amazing, that's an amazing quote. Can we all remember this quote? They called me mad and I called them mad and damn them, they outvoted me as a Someone, Nathaniel Lee like, quote. Is write it down good. right now. Make it your Discord username or something. Yeah, put your MSN we... uh, name. <laughs> Add it to your MSN messenger name because that's so good. We need a reminder of this one. I love that's it. That's a good quote. Can we write it down, Danny? Yes. Someone, you know what? Hey, if you, you're do listening, it, you do it while you're editing. If, no, if you're listening to this right now, Email us that quote. Okay, thank you. Oh, no, <laughs> that's, that's a terrible you, idea. I don't need to take notes. I can get the audience to take Especially notes Especially when this comes out, we're going to have forgotten. Not all of you, just the first one. <laughs> all right. That's a good quote. <laughs> I love this I love what this the game. Point? Actually, no, yeah. if you uh, email it to a second, you get five points. Ah, uh, I see. But if you email it first, you get... You're disqualified. <laughs> disqualified. All right. Thank you. That was a good one. I like that. We learned yeah, about that. Yeah, you're getting the good ones. Well, you're getting number 99. All right, all right. Suggested by Muskegee. Muskegee. We're going to get through nowhere near this, the, as many as have been requested. I'm by sure the way, not. Because we're half an hour in already. Okay. All right, all right, all right. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Let's go. An Irishman being at a tavern where the cook... Which tavern? Was it the horn? I don't was know. It the, was, it the, was it the devil? <laughs> was it the salutation? I don't know. An Irishman, being at a tavern where the cook was dressing some carp, observed some of them move after they were gutted and put into the pan. Lovely. Which, very much surprising tag, I guess the Irishman is called tag now. Sure. Which, very much surprising tag. Well now, Faith, said he, of all the Christian creatures that I ever saw, this same carp will live the longest after it is dead of any fish. (laughs) Wait, hold on. You can't just say stuff. Hold on, okay. Of all the Christian creatures that I ever saw, this same carp will live the longest after it is dead of any fish. I mean, does that mean, is that a joke there? It's I'm... just like that fish still looks like it's alive. Yeah. There's got to be a reference to something. Is there religious allegory in here that I don't understand? Do I not understand some Christian I'm going to Google fish Jesus stuff. and oh, I know, is Jesus made a lot of fish. At one point or he something. He did make a lot of fish. He did feed people with a lot of fish. But that doesn't but feel relevant. that doesn't relevant. seem like it's relevant here. Um, what is this? This is called The Carp. What, a Bible story called The Carp? Maybe. No, this is uh, something from 1987 I don't care about. Get out of here. Um, the Hardy Carp. What is this? Jesus said unto him, Go thou to the sea, and cast a hook, and take up the fish that first cometh up, and when thou hast opened his mouth, thou shalt find a piece of money. Whoa, sweet! That's it. That's the only Bible verse. (laughs) There is no way of knowing whether the fish mentioned in the above Bible verse was a carp, but it was probably similar. Okay, so we don't need that. 
There's oh, no Jesus cups. Historical speculation. First of all, what is Teague in this case? Well, I assume it's just an Irish no, no, name. But, but what is it? What do you mean? How do I spell Teague? Like Jen McTeague. So, Jen McTeague. T-E-A-G-U-E? Yeah. Is there a meaning for Teague? I assume it's just an Irish name. Like McTeague would be son of Teague. Yep. Teague is a boy's name that yep. is sailed across the Atlantic from Celtic lands. They, they just sort of gave him a name. Now, did they actually give this character the name Teague, or was this just like the equivalent of saying, all right, so an Australian walks into a bar, uh, his name's probably Gaza. Yeah, maybe. It's uh, definitely an Irish name. But yeah, so was this actually meant to be a sincere attempt at a character name, or did you just say, it's an Irishman, let's just chuck it on him? Teague, definition of meaning, derogatory, an Irishman. Okay. There we go. So it's, it's sort of just like, ah, bloody Irishman, bloody yep. Teague. Because they're all called Teague over there. Okay. So there we go. We know that's just an Irishman. And he sees the carp still moving, which is fun that people, you know, were talking about the sort yeah, of phenomenon absolutely. back in the 1700s. He salted the carp and it went, blah, 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 fish. Yep. And he was like, oh, well, of all God creatures, this fish lives the longest after death. What are you talking about? Hmm. All fish. Like, is there a connection I'm missing? Uh, I don't know how to Google it, anything related to this. Is it about the this? fact that there was a connection between Christian imagery and the fish, where the fish represented oh, the, Christ? The, 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 the Jesus the, fish. The, the Jesus fish. Gee, I'm going to Google Jesus I, fish. I don't know. It could also just be a relationship between, hey, it turns out Christianity likes things coming back to life after death. I think the Christian, the fish that represents Christ, that lived a bit after its death. But he's like, wow, this fish is even living even longer. Cause it's Wait, still sorry, out. is the Jesus fish a thing? The Jesus fish is a thing. It's a symbol of Christianity. It's a, the fish symbol. Uh, yeah. And I guess the idea is that it... I can't remember. It's about the spelling of it or something. What? Um, the spelling of what? Fish. What? Okay, apparently I don't know any history of the Jesus fish. It's been around since the second century. Oh my God. People were putting it on their cars way back then. Exactly. Uh, they refer to this as a Christian shibboleth for people who love shibboleths. Uh, so it's meant to stand for something. It's an, it's, it's, it's an acronym for Jesus Christ, God's Son and Savior. Iota, Chi, Theta, Ypsilon, Sigma, which together spell fish. And then you make a fish as a picture of it to represent Jesus' anointed God, Son, Savior. Um, so the I in fish uh, is actually what? the I for Jesus. The CH in fish, because it's ichthus, uh, is actually the KH in anointed. Uh, the theta in fish is the theta for God or of God. The epsilon is the epsilon for sun, and the sigma, making ichthus, is the sigma for saviour. What? So they made a little acronym about Jesus, turned it into the word fish, then drew a fish, and then it was like, hey, if you're Christian, if you're if you love Jesus, you'll know sure. what this fish means. And so they could use it to determine who was like actually okay, Christian. Okay, but that doesn't sound like it's fish. got anything to do with this. But the fish represents Jesus, and Jesus lived after his death. So maybe he's saying, hey, this fish of all the Christian fish, including Jesus, obviously I'm referring to Jesus as a Christian fish, this one seems to have lived the longest after death. Maybe he was, hold on, what if it's a joke about the fact that the fish isn't fresh and must be more than three days old? <laughs> wait a minute, wait a minute. What if he's saying your fish is four I... days old, you fishmonger? <laughs> Wait, go back to it. Give me the wording. I think he's telling this fishmonger his fish isn't fresh. 
I mean, give me the wording. What wording do you give want? Me the, give me what the Irishman An says. An Irishman being at a tavern where the cook was dressing some carp observed some of them move after they were guttered and put into the pan, which very much surprising tag. Well now, Faith, said he, of all the Christian creatures that I ever saw, that ever I saw, this same carp will live the longest after it is dead of any fish. I'm not hearing I think, I think any of this. It's a very clever joke where he is saying this fish is four days old. That's not a fresh fish. I don't because know. he's saying that of all Christian creatures, this fish. Jesus is a fish. Like, Jesus is a fish, and he lived three days after he died, right? Because he came back well, three days later. This fish is the longest. I reckon it's a four day old fish. That's what I'm saying. I don't think it's right, but I think it could be right. There's what I'm going for. This is a four day old fish joke. This is wild. <laughs> oh, you got the fish and kill it. Well, it's lived longer than. It's back to life longer than Jesus. Who died? Who came back in three days? Three days? Died on Friday. Came back on Sunday. How do people get three days out of that? That's really stretching the definition. Mm. It's like a it's like a day and a half. Mm-hmm. Came back like thirty six hours later. Yes, this is. Come on, <laughs> what is this? Is this what is this? Uh, uh, is this like is this like uh, Hanukkah where they take a little bit of oil, they stretch for eight days, you take thirty six hours, you turn into three? Oh, it's a Hanukkah miracle. Jesus took three days. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'm done. Great. I hope that didn't bother anybody. I'm just doing it. It's a bit about accounting. Uh, All right, what are we up to now? What what did we just do? That was was 99 and that was me saying it. Why am I getting such insane ones? Uh, Tana has asked for four, but we... Oh, we didn't do four. Okay. I really thought we would have done four, but we stopped at three. I got bored of the early ones quite quickly. All right, so this is number four for Tana. These are the early ones, straight from the lips of Joe Miller. Mm. Oh, wait. No, no, we did do it. Oh. Because I remember this one. I saw the word termagant. Which one was a that? A poor man who had a termagant wife after a long dispute in which she was resolved to have the last word told her if she spoke one more crooked word, he'd beat her brains out. Why then, ram's horns, you rogue, said she, if, if I die for it. I don't think we said that on the show. I think we said that to each other. Oh, really? Before the show. Okay, well, there it is. A poor man who had a termagant wife, after a long dispute in which she was resolved to have the last word, told her if you, if she spoke one more crooked word, he'd beat her brains out. Why then, ram's horns, you rogue, said she, if I die for it. Hmm. Yep, I got nothing. It's a sad ram's story horns. about a couple who fight, and I guess we need to somehow look up... What colloquially ram's horns refers to? Uh, ram's horns insult. The sign of the horns. Mm-hmm. Yeah! In many Mediterranean and Latin countries, such as Colombia, Greece, Italy, Portugal, Spain, and Mexico, when directed towards someone, pointed upwards and or swiveled back and forth, the sign offensively implies cuckoldry. Okay. So is she saying it's not your son that I'm pregnant with? Not your child that I'm pregnant with? Wait, does termagant mean pregnant? <laughs> I assume it meant angry. Oh my, good point. I just saw the <laughs> word termagant. Yeah, never mind. So I guess she's saying I'm cheating on you. I think she said <laughs> I'm cheating on you. <laughs> what does termagant mean? Sorry. Well, if you're going to kill me for talking, I might as well say I'm sleeping with your best friend. I think so. This is a sad one. I'm moving on from this one. No more ram's horns for anybody. We're jumping straight to 710, as suggested by Tom. Tom the Giant on Discord. Okay. (laughs) Sorry, everybody. We're getting past the termagant ram's horns. 
We're not going to dwell in that area. All right, we're back to some uh, old famous people now. Sure. The late celebrated Dr. Brown, good luck Googling him, paid his addresses to a lady for many years, but unsuccessfully, during which time he had always accustomed himself to propose her health whenever he was called upon for a lady. We'll get back to that. Yep. But being observed one evening to omit it, a gentleman reminded him that he had forgotten to toast his favourite lady. Why, indeed, said the doctor, I find it all in vain. I have toasted her so many years and cannot make her brown that I am determined to toast her no longer. That's so oh, good. That's, that's good. Joke. That's good. That's so okay, good. Okay, so Dr. Brown didn't oh exist. That's Dr. Clear. Brown didn't exist. His name was Dr. Brown. He's like, I keep sending letters to this lady. She doesn't care. Mm-hmm. I send my address to her. Yep. So instead, whenever I'm out with anybody, I toast to her health. I'm like, toast. Yep. But he's been toasting her for so many years but could not turn her brown like you would turn something brown if you toasted it. But he's saying, I, well, I've been toasting her and she hasn't become my wife Solid. and turned her brown to become Mrs. Brown. That's a good pun. That's a I good think- bit. Puns are just... There's no historical context for this. That's just bloody good. Puns are just... Lifelong, aren't they, in They're English? Great. We love puns. That's what we're learning about it. English history and culture. Puns are cool. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good bit, everybody. That that deserves a bit of a ribald chuckle. <laughs> bit of a ribald chuckle for I'm everybody. I'm glad in the that I finally got one that we understand. Good joke. All right, the next one is 479 and suggested by AutoCare. So I hope this one is about AutoCare. Likely. Uh, 479. Ooh. <clears throat> this is a King Charles one. Everyone loves oh, King okay, Charles. Oh, okay, excellent. Should I update it? <laughs> I'll update it to, for a modern audience. I don't know. It might end with his beheading. I'll, up- I'll update it for a modern audience. King Charles III Ooh. being prevailed upon by one of his... It was actually the first, everybody, in case you're wondering which King Charles was. It was the first, mm-hmm. which makes it... Pre-Civil War? Rather than post-Civil it's, War? Uh, it's like Civil War. The start it's of the, the start Civil, of the Civil War. War. King Charles I, being prevailed upon by one of his courtiers to knight a very worthless fellow of mean aspect, mm. when he was going to lay the sword upon his shoulder, the new knight drew a little back and hung down his head as out of countenance. Don't be ashamed, said the king. Tis I have most reason to be so. <laughs> so he bowed his head a little bit, as is custom, and the king said, Oh, you look a little embarrassed there. Don't worry, I'm embarrassed to be doing this. I guess so. It was just a bad night. What is the sentence to hung down his head as out of countenance? Is countenance not... I don't know. I visualise this like politeness of some sort. Here's the only time in my life I've ever heard the term countenance. Yeah. When I was at school, I went to a Catholic school and we sang hymns in Mm -hmm. Catholic school. And in one of the hymns is the line, the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you. I was going to say, I th- actually thought now that I think about it, the countenance was just like your bearing or the way you held a person's yourself. person's face or facial expression. Oh, okay. Support or approval. She was giving her specific countenance to the occasion. Uh, okay, so it was as if he was uh, like waiting for the sword to get to him. Admit as acceptable or possible. He was reluctant to countenance the use of force. Okay. So maybe you were countenancing the knighting. Yeah, that does sound a little familiar now that you use that example. The knighting. Cool. Drop it. So it's just a physical acceptance. I guess so. And the king was like, drop, you know, he hung your head down. He's like, to get knighted. Yeah. He's like, oh, you're dropping your head out of shame. 
I'm the one who should be ashamed. I'm knighting you, idiot. Now, do you think that this is just funny because it's someone insulting someone? Or do you think there's there was something particularly funny about the idea of King Charles in this context before? Either that King Charles would have totally done something like this or would have never done something like this. True. If we're post-Civil War when the joke's being written, we probably didn't like King Charles? I don't know. I don't know how much people cared about Civil Wars a hundred years later. What are you looking at? King Charles I, public opinion? No. Because it's true. Probably not great for the time. I'm just getting all the people that King Charles III has knighted. Oh. Don't worry about it. No, that seems like a difficult one to find. That might take some time. Yeah. Get out of here. Uh, well, thank you, AutoCare. I don't even, I don't even want to look this one up. Uh, Keith Moser, mm-hmm. the ghost of Keith Moser, has requested 22. Ooh. Can you find 22? And given how long we've been going, this might, we might only get a couple more in. Yeah, we'll, wait, we'll finish on a good one, obviously. Oh, of course. We have to finish when right. one really gets us. Oh, boy, more religion. Okay. A country clergyman sure. meeting a neighbour who never came to church, although the old fellow of above 60, he gave him some reproof on that account and asked him if he never read at home. No, replied the clown. I can't read. I dare say, said the parson, you don't know who made you. Not I, in truth, said the countryman. A little boy coming by at the same time. <laughs> sure, okay. Who, who made boy. you, child, said the parson. God, sir, answered the boy. Why, look you there, quoth the honest clergyman. Are not you ashamed here of a child of five or six years old? Tell me who made him, when you, that are so old a man, cannot? Ah, said the countryman. It is no wonder he should remember. He was made but to the day. It's a great while, Master, since I was made. <laughs> okay. All right, so we don't need any historical context no. in this one. It was, you don't go to church, and the clergyman's like, and don't you, do you even read, the, do you even read? Mm. Maybe meaning, do you read the Bible? Mm. The only book that existed yep. in the 1700s. And uh, he says, no, I can't read. He goes, oh, so you don't even know who made you? No, I've got no idea. Kid, who made you? God. And he's like, well, he'd remember. He's a little kid. He was only made five years ago. So we are past the time where it was <laughs> expected that country folk just couldn't read necessarily. Because mm. this was a country clergyman going around. Yeah. So. There was some possible expectation I, that your random country neighbour could read. That's I good to know. I really thought that this was building up to another your mum joke, like the Cicero <laughs> one we had last yeah, episode. Yeah, it felt like there was going to be something there. But yes, this no replied the clown, I can't read, intrigued yes, me a lot. because he's, he's a loser. He can't read and he doesn't go to church. He's a clown in the, in the eyes of this Then I suppose writer. there is a slight chance that if we look back, there will be some different implications of calling someone a clown 300 years ago. I can't but, imagine there was ever a different inclination. Yeah, right? You know, it's a clown. It's a clown. I, I assume, but I also know that when you go back in history stuff, you can never assume anything. Oh, I love assumptions. Ooh, I will say, hmm? may not have been as specific. Mm-hmm. Archaically, it's just an unsophisticated country person. Okay, or fabulous. A, a rustic, as there they say. There we go. So it absolutely was worth looking up. It's it not. It's not a deliberate insult. It's not that we should be gathering that the 1700s folks looked down on unreligious people to that overt insulting extent that you would just put it in your joke book. Interestingly, it came from low Germanic, but seems it says here mid-16th century in clown sense two of the noun, and sense two of the noun is an unsophisticated country person. Right. So it came from low German, meaning 
it seems, specifically unsophisticated country person and then became a performing fool later on. Wow. When did Is it... that why the classic clown... When did it do that? Well, picture a classic clown. Yeah. They have, like, suspenders and, like, <laughs> straw hats and weird stuff like that. They look like... Are they just being, like, a mockery of people from the country? Oh, my like, God. Like, everyone's like, we're in the city here. Sorry, look... a clown's legit, like, white face? I think they're white face. Oh, my God. Which I'd be like, I'm... But people in the country wouldn't have white... They'd be darker, wouldn't they? Because they go out, they have to work in the sun. And at those times, it was like, I'm pale because I'm so rich. I never go outside. Yeah, so they were bad at being white people, so you can make fun of them. I don't but know. Because clowns, they wear like overalls, and that's like farmer that's gear. That's true. I think clowns are dressed up pants. as country people. This is amazing. Okay, this is something we're actually learning. Please. Okay. Yeah, this could um, be a strong finish if we go. find this Origin thing true. of clown costume, I guess. Mm, okay, the first mainstream clown role was filled by Joseph Grimaldi, yep, who's I'm credited with developing the traditional white face makeup of modern circus clowns. And then an American comedian was inspired by Grimaldi's character. Okay, let's look up Grimaldi then. Let's get some... Yeah, yeah, sure. Let's look up Grimaldi. Let's see where he got his... his okay, uh, Joseph Grimaldi. Give me some, some Grimaldi facts. 1778 to 1837. So that's pretty late as far as like the concept of gesturing and things goes. But yeah, they looked... Quite different. Ah, but but clown, so he expanded the role of clown in the harlequinade that formed part of British pantomimes. Mm-hmm. So let's look at that. Oh, like what was the clown yeah, yeah, role? Yeah. Clown in this harlequin catalogue of British pantomime characters. So this is like, seems very sort of... um. Uh, uh, a commedia dell'arte, but for British, yeah. British kind of. Hey, I will say, thing. I'm seeing the word whiteface oh, yeah. in here. Clown was a buffoon or bumpkin fool who resembled less a jester than a comical idiot. He was a lower class character, the servant of Pantaloon, dressed in tattered servant's garb. Hmm. You're right. I'm seeing the phrase rustic fool, which was a character from ancient Greek and Roman theatre. The rustic fool, just rustic so clown or was peasant, just a rustic man. digger or labourer. That's so good. I love learning. This is so much fun. You thought this was a joke and I didn't even think we had to look up clown, but we're learning about the history of British theatre. This is a good show. My God. Clown. That's so wild. Is that why in Shakespeare the clown characters are always so resourceful and good at living? <laughs> Maybe, but they're fools, not clowns. To be sometimes, to, to be fair, that's yeah, so no, cool. yeah, the phrase "rustic fool." I'm saying the rustic fool. Yeah. Okay, it seems like it has are, a close association. Uh, country folk. There you are, everybody. You learned something new about clowns today, as did I, as did Danny. Clowning history, and you didn't think you'd get that. Who knew you'd learn about clowns from a joke book? Bizarre. <laughs> I'm so glad we looked that up. What a funny one. Do you want to end the episode there, or do we do, do you want to do one more? Because I like learning about clowns. Is this also why clowns are a thing at rodeos? Rodeo clowns! Because people in the country love horses and bulls and stuff. Can, can you quickly look that up to see how much of a relationship there is? Maybe everyone already knew this. Maybe yeah, this maybe. is just normal knowledge. Everyone's like, Especially in countries that have rodeos, maybe you know this. Rodeo clown origin. Rodeo clowns date to the beginning of competitive rodeo in the early 1900s. I don't know. They they were just they were just 
cowboys but who came why? out to entertain people. In the early 20th century, with the disappearance of the rustic simpleton or village idiot character of everyday experience, North American circuses developed characters such as the tramp or hobo. So we just really needed a poor person to laugh what at, apparently. What we learned at is that city folk love making fun of the poor, and they love making fun of country Especially folk. when the depression hit. You may be poor, but look how poor this poor man is. Man. Poorer than you, so you should be happy. Say about the 50s, the circus clown, a tragicomic stock character who was a funny man with a drinking problem. <laughs> oh, God. All right. Okay, do we finish off with one final joke? Because we didn't get through anywhere near as many things as we were requested, but, you know, that's what happens sometimes. It's really bizarre. Shall I try and yeah, find the yeah, final okay. one? So that Last was 22, one. right? Yep. So the final one uh, requested by Assassino is 609. Okay, here we go. A man in the habit of travelling complained to his friend that he had often been robbed and was afraid of stirring abroad. He was advised to carry pistols with him on his journey. (laughs) Oh, that would be still worse, replied the hero. The thieves would rob me of them also. (laughs) Yes, and then shoot you with them. We've been saying this for years. Last episode, we had a please take my wife joke. This episode, a please please take take my my pistols. I think we can leave it there. Yep, that couldn't be clearer. That's a nice, simple one. Don't need to look it up. No. And a very real problem being highlighted. True. Danny, Mm -hmm. I was just, sorry, I just looked it up. Do you know that back in the 1700s, a pistol just referred to someone from the city? (laughs) It was all pistols and clowns. Pistols and clowns, as far as the eye can see. I'm more than happy to end on a lesson of this is why you don't use guns for self-defense. Hey, everybody. Bring a gun to a knife fight, and the guy with a knife is going to steal your gun. (laughs) Bye, everybody.